and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, welcome to Coffee and Catholics. This week we are going to be talking about... Um, ministering to our youth and evangelizing our youth and what that um, some of our stories and um, what that could look like in our parishes or in our homes and again um, we have an guest with us but also she's been part of uh, coffee catholics for a while but we have Noel with us as a guest speaker today thanks for having me back yay um i don't know uh I know, I feel like when I was growing up, like youth group was a big deal and maybe, and it's just my, maybe my parish or just a different feel or whatever, but I don't, I, my kids are getting up into that age group where they need to be having more of that interaction with peers within their faith and, and it's lacking. I feel like sometimes like there are some things that I love that we do, but then there's other things. I feel like there's not enough or there's not enough interaction. And yeah, that's, that's something that we're seeing natural nationally. And um, I say we, because I work as the director of programs for EQ saints now, and we put on middle school youth conferences. We train youth ministers all over the country. In fact, my boss is in Antigua actually right now training youth ministers I was like, didn't you want me to go to that? And he was like, no, I got it. Um, <laughs> but, um, and then uh, we developed discipleship curriculum for high school. And just nationally across the board, we're seeing um, more and more parishes that don't have a youth minister. And if they do have a youth minister, it's a person that has not been trained in any formal theology, sometimes not even like uh, education, like a classroom management type of uh, training or scenario and so it's just a person that really feels called to help young people grow closer to the Lord which is great in some cases and in other cases it's a really big challenge and I also have uh, kids that are in middle school and I realized how important it is at this age that they have friends to support them in their faith because this is the age where they're starting to pull away from parents a little bit. They're finding their own identity, their own interests, their own little rebellion. I remember one of my kids said to me recently, like, I can't wait till I'm an adult and I could do anything I want. And I was like, well, 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 well. <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> You're going to be sorely disappointed. I was very disappointed. The only thing that I can do, I saw um, a meme about this where it was like, um, I am now an adult and I can eat anything I want at any time. I wish someone would take this power from me. <laughs> and I was like, yes, that is the only thing. I'm just like, yeah, I can stuff my face anytime I want. And I wish someone would take that power. <laughs> my daughter recently told me, it's not fair, Mom. You get to do whatever you want whenever you want. And I just laughed. <laughs> and they called Stacy and laughed. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we're we're seeing just this. And and since COVID too, right? There's been this disruption in peer relationships, disruption in church relationships because people stopped going to church because there was no church to go to. And getting back into the routine has been really hard for a lot of us, um, a lot of people. 
And so, um, yeah, but it it's so important to have a church that welcomes our young people, but also gives them a place where they can find their identity and their friends. So for those of us like, um, that want our kids to be more involved, but that's not like at our parish, I hate to say that I'm like going to start looking at other parishes, but even like, but what, what, like, what are our options? Do you like, since you've been seeing this around the nation things, what are some of the things that you're seeing people do to combat some of this? Yeah. So I feel like we're really in a transition stage. We're not on the other side of we're like, here's the answer. But we do know, like you said, I grew up with with youth group activities. We went to Steubenville. We had youth group. We had open gyms. We had um, lock-ins, you know, all (laughs) these things. And we don't have any of those things anymore, you know. And even places where youth ministry is really thriving, things just look a little different. And so what I'm seeing that has been really effective in youth ministry is I'm seeing um, a lot of, for high school age, more small group discipleship focus. And I say small group, which used to be the thing that everybody hated, right? We're like, oh, now we have to go in small groups and talk about our feelings. But small groups, because um, in our own research with EQ Saints, we've been asking kids just in all these events that we've done around the country, um, do do you trust your friends? Do you have friends? And um, do you feel uh, like you belong in your church? And to every single one of those questions, the answer has been, no, I don't have friends. And the friends I do have, I don't trust because of social media and things that get leaked out and leaked to other people. We're in a very gossip culture, even more than we've ever been before. I feel like because of social media enabling that news to spread so fast. And, um, And so they can't let their masks down. They can't let their guard down fully. So walking with kids in a small group and helping them to start from the basics of social skills that maybe we took for granted because we didn't have, we didn't grow up with phones, you know, most of us, um, is really important. Like, how do I be a good listener? How do I, um, communicate my feelings and how do I make, let myself be vulnerable with the people that I'm with? You know, my husband, when he was running a youth ministry back in Kansas, he said he started these small group communities and they're all boys in one group and all girls in another, just so that they could feel more free to share. And um, he said, you know, he's leading his guys group and he, he was like, initially everything was like, you know, I saw God in a rainbow and I just, that was great. It was like a, a nice sunset, you know, but he said, but by the end, they're like, I feel like God is calling me to give up my addiction to pornography because they built a trust with each other where they're each finally feeling free because they've spent time with each other to be vulnerable together. And it can't just be one person, right? That's being vulnerable. It has to be the whole group. And so we're seeing that that model has been really effective with high school. And then with middle school, they need the excitement and getting the energy out. They almost need what we used to do with high school, you know? And we're seeing like the high school stuff Um, almost needs to be shifted down to middle school and the the high school experience needs to be really how do I build authentic friendship that's going to last and how am I as an adult a good mentor and somebody that walks a young person in faith. I find it interesting that you mentioned that because as you were describing that it made me think about um, 
there is a coworker of mine, and they're Protestant, but that she would host college students at her house, like these small groups at her house weekly. They just came over to dinner. And we actually, when I was in college, there was an older couple who invited us over to their house for rosary. So like, and I, I really, and really, I still consider Vicki as probably one of the most influential people of like my spiritual life. And so like, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that. And then you're also mentioning like this shift down, like it's almost like everybody's having to shift. But I also thought it was interesting because it sounded like these groups also sound a lot like Lauren and Annie talk about domestic church. So like we're already doing this with our adults. Some people are already doing it with college students. And now we're saying that our high schoolers are benefiting from this model too. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's really interesting. Because I was thinking about the, um, like the different discipleship groups and things that I've been in, in the past where it's that small group as an adult and how beneficial that is. And I love to hear it, hearing that that has been getting put into effect for younger age groups because I would, I went to a small church growing up. So it was just small group. <laughs> like there was no big group. Um, but I totally understand like that makes so much sense that you want to kind of meet people like in a more like to in order to get to a deeper level you have to have those personal connections first mm-hmm. um and then like with the with the middle schoolers and stuff like you really have to um catch their interest in especially like right now like it feels like everywhere you go it's like there's just this bombardment uh just uh stimulation mm-hmm. and at that age when there's like, you know, there's so much development going on and they're getting all this stimulation in other places and stuff, like there has to be, I mean, you don't want to overstimulate, but you also do need to have to kind of have that control, like keep it kind of a little bit there. Not like, oh, we're going to a concert, like some of these like mega churches, but no offense, <laughs> but also like, you know, have that fun aspect of it so that you can then help them to develop, help them to like, to, to want to continue into those small groups, get it to that deeper level so that they'll continue. I have a friend who, um, she lives in another, another state. It's another Southern state in the U S and, um, and she was having the same problem that Stacy was having that the parish that she went to, like that they had, there wasn't youth that they had like confirmation class, but that was like it. And then just like normal, like RE classes and like, like teaching. Um, but it kind of like ended after, um, confirmation which was like middle school age mm-hmm. for her kids and she's found like it wasn't just her parish though it was like all in the area and she finally like just this past year um was so so excited because they started a youth group at a parish that's like i think it's still like a 30 minute drive or 45 minute drive for them um but she's like this is what we had when we were growing up and i was like i didn't even realize that that wasn't going on like it was shocking to me because my oldest is 10 and then, and the, you know, I hear about the youth, like there's still youth group and everything at the parishes that I've been to. And I've known some of those youth leaders who are, you know, really working and striving to try and bring those, um, you know, t- teens in and reach them. And um, a parish that we used to go to had like, a, like a, my husband uh, was part of the, a men's group that were like the, the adults. It, it kept going past high school, like adults you continue, but it was like a mentorship but they had small groups for the adults, small groups for the teens and the kids, and they kind of rotated in what they did. But um, but it was just shocking to me to hear that this was like 
not the norm yeah. anymore for a lot of places. And then, like, Stacy bringing up that there's not that, like, in her. Well, so when we first moved here, my husband actually did that. He mentored. Like, there was a youth group, and mm-hmm. he was he mentored with the boys' group. And he was doing that, like, once a week. You know, or not, yeah, once a week. He was going to the and doing that, and they had, like, a dinner thing. And, and right now, there is a really beautiful thing in our parish, but they only do it once a month. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it gets canceled. And sometimes, like, so then sometimes you're going two months without doing it. What they do, and it's beautiful, is they have adoration and confession available. And then they uh, have dinner together. And then they split the boys and the girls into separate groups. And they have, like, they talk discernment conversations and things like that. My boys love it. And then afterwards, they go, they, ha- they all go back together and they, like, play in the gym and hang out together. And they love it, but it's only once a month and so like they're not comfortable with these kids because they don't see them on a regular basis and they don't know them very well and but what you know when they come home they say oh yeah i loved it it was a great time but they're not people that they want to like they're not hanging out with these kids on a regular basis and they haven't formed those relationships and i think that's important and that's also an issue in general across the board, even when we were growing up, that the the drop-off model idea is that we don't know the other kids' parents. Mm-hmm. So when our kids want to see somebody, they're like, well, I don't remember their last name. Well, can you get their phone number? Well, I don't know. You know, who's their parent? You know, and, and they're like, oh. And so it's hard to make those family connections. And so actually, my husband and I, we've started, and this is crazy, okay. So my, I had this dream. <laughs> I would, I'd been praying like, God, you know, I'm feeling like we're, we're having a shift in youth ministry. Like, what is that? What is the answer? Because obviously if you're changing things and you're, you're depleting resources in some way, like you are the provider. So what's going on? Like you must be doing something. So tell me what is the answer? And I had this dream that we were at my house and there's all these people gathered and we were worshiping the Lord together. And I woke up from this dream and I said to my husband, I think we should start a ministry out of our garage. And he was like, okay, we got, we got a lot of cleaning to do. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and so that's what we started doing. And so, oh, I think our temptation, because we have grown up with thriving youth ministries, or at least youth ministries that felt that they were thriving because we were so involved that we think that the parish staff is responsible for, for providing it. And sometimes they just simply can't. It's since COVID, especially with, with um, attendance being down and giving being down and have struggling to pay somebody like the, the youth ministry salary is the same as when I started um, 20 years ago. It's the same today as what it was like 20 years ago. And so they're having a hard time finding good, qualified people to be to stay in these positions, especially when they're people that tend to be married and they have a lot of kids and then they can't afford to continue in youth ministry. Well, that's part of it, too. The lady who takes the um, girls, well, it used to be one of the teachers at the school, but the school closed. And so she drove up for a while and did that, but she, she doesn't have any kids that go to that anymore. She doesn't live in town. But the lady who is doing it, she actually lives almost an hour away, and I bet they go to church at our church, and they so they, they drive that far every day to, or every week to go to church. So, but she's driving in, so it just that's another like she can't do that every week. So right. I understand, but the and the person who's taking the boys is is our priest, and and we all know what priest schedules look like, and so he can't do that all the time. 
And so it's like, I'm grateful for what they're, you know, what they're able to give, but it's like, you know, we're also 30 minutes away from the in-state, but it's a different diocese and they have weekly Bible studies. And the other thing is, is it's their godfather that's doing the Bible studies and he's in deacon formation. And I'm like, I so want, like, I would love for my boys to be able to go that, but it's also on the same night that we have confirmation class. So mm-hmm. I can't take that. Like, so it's like, I'd be missing right. Bible. So like, yeah. But it's weekly Bible say for middle schoolers. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I would so love for my, my kids to go to that. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm also and, like, I don't know. It's like, it's like, I feel like I'm tearing my heart, like in all these different directions. Cause you know, you want to be part of your parish, but it's also like you have to serve your children too. You spiritually. have to feed your family. Yeah. And that, if that's not, only found at where you're attending mass, like that's okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I'd like to hear yeah, what what else. Talk a little bit more about the. These the you did start. Yeah, so we started the garage ministry. Yeah. We just yeah. put it out of which I've been we, waiting to go to that too. I just yeah, haven't been able to figure it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's in our garage. We just put it out on Facebook that anybody can come, anybody that wants to. We get to know the parents. The parents. And, you know, it's so great when we have, like, a ridiculous game that my husband and I looked up on Instagram. Like, we found it on Instagram. It's a dumb youth ministry game. But everybody plays, even the younger siblings and the parents. We get the dads involved, too. And um, and it's great. Now we've got another dad that's helping lead praise and worship and other parents that help bring food sometimes. And, like, um, it's just been so good. We have a short teaching, and we pray together, and we play together. And that's it. It's very simple. And so what I would like, the research shows that if a child does not make a commitment to the Lord by the age of 14, then every year after that, the likelihood goes down that he, will, he or she will make that commitment. Mm-hmm. And um, so I like just for, for advice sake, because not everybody's necessarily called to start a ministry out of their garage. Right. But when we're looking, when we're thinking of our kids, they need an encounter. That means they need a definable moment of experiencing the Lord's presence. And they need to be able to explain that to you. So if you send them to a retreat and they come back and they're like, you're like, how was the retreat? And they're like, fine. You have to dig deeper. Like, did you encounter the Lord? Did you feel his presence? Did you hear his voice? Did something jump out at you? Um, And it might be no. Okay. You know, like (coughs) that doesn't mean that God didn't do anything in that retreat. That may mean that he wanted to sit with you in the quiet. Let's keep asking him like to to speak to you and to show up for you i love that i love that like that response that he may just need you to sit there in the quiet because i know that's something with my kids like that i mean they're younger but i've talked about like when we go to adoration and listening and and they're like i never hear anything (laughs) (laughs) like my my oldest went went to to camp to church camp for the first time this last summer and they had um you know a adoration I asked him like because they had they had testimonies after and like they were talking like the kids I was like did you have any experiences like no I never do like he was like really kind of like upset yeah. like he's like I don't ever hear anything like that it's you know and so I love that response though Noel like thank you for that yeah that so, was the number one question at our Steubenville conference when we had a workshop on prayer with the Q&A every single kid was like I want to feel something but mm-hmm. I don't how do I feel? There was even a girl that had had a miraculous healing of her knee where she didn't need surgery one Steubenville. And then the next year she comes up to me crying and she's like, I just had, I had a miracle last year, but this year I feel nothing. I was expecting something big again. And I was like, listen, it's, it's like a romance though. Like you're not always swept off your feet with flowers. Sometimes you're sitting on the couch and you're holding hands. 
mm-hmm. and it's quiet, and you're you don't have anything to say. You're just in each other's presence. And um, my and boys would it. not like that. Yeah, <laughs> no, don't, don't tell them. Don't tell the middle schooler that. Do not tell the middle or my middle, middle school schooler boy. is 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 girl crazy right now. So that's I was our say, thing. Sorry, pre middle. My, mine's mine's <laughs> only ten. So it's like this is gross. <laughs> mine wants a, a headband with mistletoe on it. And I was like, oh. absolutely. Uh, <laughs> 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 Please, man. So I was like, you're too. <laughs> You're too young for kisses, except mommy kisses. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's disgusting. Well, and I, I think too though that, that you've got to, you've got to. You're talking about like you know talking to them about their encounter with God. I think it also has to be something that has, like you can't just send them off to the church group. Like you're talking about, people make it so that you know they think that the parish or the church is the one that's supposed to evangelize their children. No, you are the first educators. You are the first evangelizers of your children, and so if you send them off and you've never spoken to them about encounter before mm-hmm. it's not a part of your daily um you know practice to show in front of your children that you're encountering god then they're not really going to necessarily know what that means or they're going right. to they're going to think that it's not actually important right because it's not important to you yeah. so yeah well they need to see us as parents that we are praying that we are mm-hmm. like if we are, say just you know, if you pray, God shows up, and they never see us praying, mm-hmm. or they never hear us talk about what the Lord is doing in our lives. That is mm-hmm. a huge problem, and um, and we we just go about our day not even thinking of it because a lot of our prayer is mental prayer while we're doing other things. We're not necessarily sitting down <coughs> in our prayer chapel and saying our rosary in front of the children. Like a lot of times, we're we're busy doing stuff and we're praying mentally and we're not showing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just do it out loud sometimes, like yeah. you know. Well, and I heard somebody say one time that prayer, that your relationship with God is supposed to be personal, but it's never supposed to be private. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you can have those private moments, of course, with God. We're called to kind of walk away and have those moments with God, but you're not supposed to just keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. And since your family, when especially when you are a family person, when you have children, when you have a spouse, your job is to help them get to heaven. Mm-hmm. That is your job. And if you don't do that, if you fail in that, then that's, you know, something that God's going to, you know, be part of your yeah. personal judgment. Right. But I will say, just if I may, um, real quick, going back to the conversation you guys had before about, you know, when your parish isn't doing anything. Um, like, I know, like, for me, I'm, like, very much an introvert. As I get older, I've gotten out of that introvert stage, I guess, of my life a little bit at a time because I just find that I just don't care as much anymore what other people think of me. That happens like, when you get older. <laughs> yeah. You do, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it was a couple of years ago, you know, Stacy wanted to have a, a, an adoration at our church and, um, but she didn't have a way to do that. She's crazy, crazy busy, but she loved the idea of it. I've been praying about some way to do some kind of a ministry where I could have my children involved because uh, God could kind of call me away from ministry for a while to focus on my family and redirect my priorities, which I'm so grateful for. And then she called me up and said, hey, you don't have a life. You don't have a All right, don't say that. <laughs> I said, I think you'd be perfect for this. <laughs> she didn't say that, but I really don't have a life. I don't do anything. So, <laughs> so I was like, this is perfect. You minister to your children. I minister to my children. I don't do anything else. But yeah, so she brought this up idea up to me and being an introverted person that I am, I kind of started the process, but I delayed it. Like I'm also a procrastinator, but I think if I remember correctly, like I was also just doubting myself, like I'm not good enough for this. I'm not the person to do this. You know, all those doubts came into my mind. And so I let myself procrastinate and procrastinate, but eventually got into it. And um, I, I realized that like 
since my kids are, I guess this is all to the, inter to the introverted parents out there, or just people out there, even if you don't have children, but you're wanting to like help with youth ministry, um, that it's not about, I learned that it wasn't about me. Like I had to step out of my shell, out of my comfort zone because their salvation was in large part in my hands because I am their parent. And that is the big part of what I am called to do is to make sure that they are evangelized and catechized and they learn to love the Lord. And so um, I decided to finally start that, that guided adoration group. And I found it to be so much fun. My kids love it. My kids absolutely adore it. And it's been so much fun when we have other families come and we get to you know, do our 30 minutes of guided, like it's a children's guided adoration specifically up in the, the chapel area. And we sing together, we pray together, the kids lead some things. We talk about, you know, ways that God can work in our lives and what he's done. And then we go downstairs and we play games and we eat together and we chit chat together. And recently I had an opportunity to have a couple of boys um, come who are not Catholic, who are not Christian at all. And they had a blast and they actually want to come back. And her, his, their parents uh, or have given me permission to have them come to those guided adorations, which I'm so thankful for. I'm just like, oh, thank you, God. And so, um, yeah, I think it's, I think, you know, if, if you're not the type of person or you just don't have the time or the means or the ability right now to, you know, start something in your own parish, you know, find somebody who does. If you're an introverted person, appoint Appoint Yeah, God told me that you have to do this, and if you don't, no. I have this idea, and the idea involves you. Yes, exactly. Talk them up. Bring them some chocolate or something. But I forgot the chocolate. Yeah, it's But yeah, or if you're an introverted person, you know, I think. Just, I, I, I found personally like introvertedness is very much a personality trait and it's totally fine to be an introvert. But what I think what it prohibits you from, or it, it inhibits you from evangelizing your children, following what it is that God is calling you think God is calling you to do. Cause I very much felt like, okay, this is God answering a, a prayer for me. When it stops you from doing it, like it is for me, it's actually a form of pride. And I, I like I, I just found that for myself, and so learning how to kind of take the baby steps and step outside of yourself, so that you can bring salvation to the world. Yeah, what I mean, and it can be like evangelizing young people can be not as complicated as um, programmatic ministry, like building a big event or a program or, or whatever. It can be very simple. We talked about the the, the <laughs> definable, um, you know, a moment of encounter. But it can also be like just regularly asking kids the question, you know, what is the Lord doing in your life? Because they're, they're not going to have an answer necessarily right away, but they're going to know that you're going to ask that question. So then they're going to ask that question. What is God doing in my life? Um, having the kids read the scripture, that's God's word. If you want to hear God speak, go read this word, you know, like um, crazy things happen when you read God's word. I remember when I had to go in for... Um, a miscarriage, I had to have a surgery. And the first line of the first reading that day, when I was feeling lost and I didn't know how to pray, I went to the readings for mass that day. The first line of the first reading was rejoice you who are not in labor. And it goes on, our God is a God of compassion and he's taking care of you. Like that was God's word meant for me in that moment. So teaching them to read God's word. And then the final thing that I would say, just as, as a piece of advice, 
is help them to have friends, opportunities to have friends who are also walking a faith journey. So like recently we had the Holy Fire Middle School Youth Conference that my company puts on here in Oklahoma City. And my son, my oldest, had been kind of, you know, I mean, he's he's coming around. He'd gone through a rebellious phase of like, oh, my parents do all this church stuff. Like, I don't want to do this. I, you know, he told me he wanted to be a non-practicing heathen. I was like, what does that even mean? And he said, it means that I'll, I'll be... Um, a person that doesn't go to church but doesn't do any bad stuff. <laughs> a non-practicing heathen. So my husband said he's going to start a band called the Non-Practicing Heathen. Um, but anyways, but it was, you know, we were talking about, I've been praying for him. And uh, and he's coming around, you know, the garage ministry and having friends that support him in his faith. But when he went to the, the Holy Fire Conference, yes, he had a good experience at adoration, but there was a group of friends there that he had met at the Catholic summer camp that our Archdiocese puts on. And they asked him, you know, hey, buddy, how you been? You know, and he was like, well, you know, to be honest, not great. Um, my son was in, is in counseling and he's like, I've been struggling with some things and some self-hatred. And these kids were like, oh, man, you don't got to hate yourself. You're amazing. And it built him up so much that it totally changed his mood for the day. And he told me the next day that was the best day of his life. Mm-hmm. They have to have peers that support them in their faith. So even if it's just one or two that you know from church or from confirmation class or whatever, get to know their parents, invite them over for dinner. It takes a little extra work, but like try to foster these friendships. If they're if you're all praying just before a meal and that's the most comfortable thing that you are okay with doing, then start there, you know? Um, another thing I'd like to add, because it did come up in conversation with some other Catholic moms from other, like from around the state this past weekend, was the importance of our priests and our religious being involved with our, with our youth also. I don't know how many times, like, you know, you're talking about those encounters with Jesus, but also like sometimes those just like, like my my oldest, he, he's about to turn thirteen, and um, hopefully I don't like cry during this because the priest that I'm about to talk about it, he's not doing well right now. But when he was little, we had a priest that when during the recessional, I mean, there are some priests that would think that oh no, but every Sunday, as he was recessing out of the church, he shook my son's hand, hmm. and my son he, to this day. That is his favorite priest. Wow. We haven't seen him in years. I mean, I've seen him at things like around the diocese, but we haven't gone to like see him, see him. And that that made that much impact on my son's life that he is still his favorite priest. Mm-hmm. And then both the boys went to a vocations um, day that our diocese put on um, last year. I mean, they did it this year too, but we couldn't go this year. But last year, and one of the priests there played soccer with them. And that priest ended up being at my in-law's church for a while. And so it's like they had this connection with him because they had played soccer with him. And then they saw him at their, their grandparents' church. And it was just like, it's just that relationship. And that I think relation, you know, you're talking about the relationship with peers. And we're talking, you're talking about relationship with the parents and and also relationship with our, our religious. Um, we had some sisters come by um, 
not, I want to say two years ago, they kind of came through our, our, our state during, um, uh, it was I was, a pilgrimage. there's a pilgrimage yeah. and they ended um, we went ahead and had, uh, the dinner for a couple of them one night. And since then, one of the sisters, I've seen at all these, like we've run into her all over the place. They live in Texas, and we're in Oklahoma, and we like we see this one particular sister everywhere, and it's just like she has been such a like impact on my family. And even like this last women's conference I went to, she was there. She's like, "Oh, we have to take a picture scene since the kids. Tell them I said hi and I love them." And so like you know, and so I had to, oh look, I saw sister Michael Marie, and you know, so it's just like you know that relationship is really important because then they can see people even in religious life living out their faith and what that can look like and that it's not just you know solitude and you know and you being busy all the time yeah. and yeah, but like they're real but they're real people and yes. our even our priests right now a couple of years ago or last year of her uh, priest appreciation we took him out to lunch, and he went to the arcade with the kids. And we went, like we paid for his way to get in the arcade, and he played at the arcade with my kids. And that's one of they, their favorite memories of hanging out with with father is going to the arcade and pizza. And and it's just we just invited him out to do that with us for priest appreciation. And I think awesome. just building those relationships is important. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, because I think that does like because I think for a lot of people. When they grow up, they and you know, they might feel a call to religious life. Mm-hmm. It's scary because they've been inundated with the world of, you know, lay people and and all of that and what that family life might look like. So, like actually getting to see, you know, that those priests and those nuns aren't that picture that you have in your head of just kind of like those weird people who <laughs> you know they're important and they're in our lives or whatever, but they're kind of over here. Mm. You know, it can kind of open them up to if they feel called to God, they might say yes a bit more easily. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, that definable moment of encounter, the opportunity to make a response and then having community, those are the biggest, biggest, biggest things um, and least complicated things to having a, a good relationship with the Lord for, for our young people, according to the research. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Noel, for coming on and hanging and talking to us today. You're welcome. Yeah, Anytime. It's nice to have you there. With you. Yeah. Good to see you. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you. Coffee and Catholics is a proud partner of the Smart Catholics Podcast Network. Find new shows to love, meet like-minded Catholics, and join the community at smartcatholics.com.